The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter, kind of a spiritual journeyman and media producer type of guy. I run a website called youthrivehere.com. I'm here with our very own writer, the beloved author of the famous Cookie Chronicles trilogy, soon to be a major HBO TV series in the Game of Thrones vein. Uh, he's also known as Dr. Reverend Dr. Raymond Anderson, the senior minister for the Center for Spiritual Living in Greater Baltimore. How are those books coming? Uh, they're coming along well, if I could just only stop eating, because I made the books edible. Oh, no. The cookie monster in you. Yeah, once I got to chapter 12, and that was the chocolate favorite chapter, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, don't give too much away. Oh, yes. <laughs> now, you actually have, you've written a couple of books. Uh, I know you have A Moving Mountain is uh, one of them. I really like that one. I actually own it. Um, oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> what, what other books have you written? So there are two. There are Moving Mountains, The Journey of Transformation, and... Visual Music, The Art of Signing Songs Using American Sign Language. And number three is in process. Ooh, can you give us a preview? About being a spiritual warrior, what that actually means, and how to live it. Cool. Are you gonna, is there going to be instruction on Kung Fu and uh, also, you know, stuff like Jedi battles and stuff like that? Interestingly enough, there is a, a section in there where I describe what it means to be a Jedi versus Sith and how one practices, you know, whichever it is you choose. But the goal is to practice more Jedi-like things. And yes, there are practices, exercises in how to build one's Kung Fu mastery. So, you know, we're talking about writers today because we're interviewing a writer today, wonderful writer, Julie. Julie, We'll get to her later. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm curious, are you in, are you reading any books right now? I know that's a joke because you always are like me. But but what are you reading right now? So currently, I'm reading Spirit Hacking by Shaman Durek. Oh, I would love to get him on the show. We have to we have to work to get him on the show. Let, let, yeah, let's let's start praying and uh, conspiring on that one because this is a very interesting book. Can you pray and conspire? Does that that doesn't sound right? Yeah, yeah. Why not? We're working to a common purpose, I can see, but conspiring just sounds <laughs> stiff-like. 
No, 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 no. See, because somebody had this conversation with me before about conspiring is negative. I mean, the con, it's con, it's negative. I'm like, no, construction means to build. So, yeah, so we are <laughs> We are allowing the universe to build with us what it is we want to manifest. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and we are having uh, Reverend Stephanie Redfeather come on um, soon. I'm looking forward to her book. She's a shaman as well, and her book is The Evolutionary Empath, so I can't wait to, to talk to her about that. But anyway, I interrupted you. What else, what no, else are you reading? Okay. So Spirit Hacking, Practical Metaphysics, Eric Butterworth, rereading the Ernest Holmes papers. Me too. Oh, it's, it's a good one. It is, and you know, what's interesting to me is that he really starts he evolves beyond the concepts of science of mind i mean obviously there's the science the the foundation of the science of mind book is is so important but you can see how his thinking has evolved since then i think that's very important everything about his writing if you really get into it when he made the comment about being open at the top if you really read the vastness of his writings and even watch the when he was speaking on the radio, et cetera, you see that he was demonstrating what it means to be open at the top. We're supposed to always be evolving our spirituality. Awesome. What else you got? So Emma Curtis Hopkins, Esoteric Philosophy, Romancing the Soul, Bob Trask, Mystical Journey, Peter Mulraney, and lastly, okay, we're going to try this one, Vajra Kilya, The Heart of Light, Blade of Thunder by Stephen K. Hayes. Wow, I don't think you have enough on your reading list. And that's just the stuff that's right here in my office. That's not counting the stuff in my backpack upstairs. But <laughs> and, and my thing I love to see is, since we talk about truth being this, this golden thread, I like to find how com two completely different subjects are saying the same thing. Interesting. I, you know, I don't have my full list here because like you, I've got like five things that I'm reading at the same time, but yep. a, a couple of things. I mean, one is um, one of my favorite, and I consider it a metaphysical book. I'm kind of rereading it. It's called Small Gods by Terry Pratchett. And <laughs> okay. it's a novel about a down and out God who's trying to make it back into the big time with a lowly nobody <laughs> who he has to work with. I, it's, okay. it's hilarious. <laughs> and it's a profound look at religion too and i it's just it's really one of my favorite books of all time have you ever read terry, terry project no no very funny and very I'm insightful on the list now very insightful Ooh. i'm also taking a look at mitch Hor horowitz new book uh, secrets of self-mastery uh <laughs> which is part of his napoleon hill series and i know you know mitch like comes out with, with a book like every other day but and I didn't know that one was released already. Cool. Yeah, it was just released. And it's really excellent. It synthesizes a lot of great material. So I, I really excellent. suggest that too. Um, you know, so many books, I lose track, but I, I continue to flip through them. And, I, you know, I, it takes me a few days to get through a book, but my mother-in-law reads a book a night. I mean, she, it's like, I don't know if she sleeps on it under her pillow or something, and it just flows into her head. But she's like, she's so quick. She's doing the Doctor Strange thing. She's uh, actual projecting and reading the book while she sleeps. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I've, in fact, felt some potential spells on me at one sort or another. <laughs> no more comments on that. No, yeah, that, moving on. <laughs> All right, you ready for some dueling inspirational quotes? That I am. All right. I'll I'll like, just there for a moment. That I am, Sam, I am. <laughs> 
you always bring in Dr. I was going to say Dr. Who. <laughs> Not Dr. Who. Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss. So you want first? I'll you go got first. it? Go for it. Let your heart's light guide you to my house. Let your heart's light show you that we are one. Mm. I have no... I'm going to... Charles Fillmore. Rumi. Oh, okay, okay. Read it one more time. Let your heart's light guide you to my house. Let your heart's light show you that we are one. Amen. I like that. I like that. Cool. Okay. So you ready? I am. So let's see. I will go with this one. Truth is not what you want it to be. It is what is. And you must bend to its power or live a lie. Ooh, that is a great one. Musashi Miyamoto, samurai master and author of the Book of Five Rings. Wow, that's interesting. That's yeah. very interesting. Well, I don't know. Can you, these two greats, who, who's going to win out of these two greats? Should we put them up for some sort of kung fu kind of battle? Let's flip a coin. All right, that's probably easier. <laughs> Can you imagine if there was a game where you could like, you know, pit spiritual masters against one another, you know, oh, like that would be kind of thing. That would be hilarious. That would, I'm just saying it would be funny. Yeah, you know, anyhow, anyhow. <laughs> Qu quote versus quote. Right, right, right. All right. You ready to jump into our episode? Yes, I am. All right. Now we welcome onto the show Z and Melissa. Hello. Hello, my name is Melissa. And my name is Z. We are here to talk to you today about our personal heroes. Yes, our personal heroes. So, hmm, I think for me, I, I grew up, I was an atheist. Um, yep, I was, my, I was raised by scientists. I like to say it's like being raised by wolves, except there's a lot more books. So I just <laughs> didn't, didn't, wasn't into the God thing. And I had a premonition from the time I was 16 on that something was going to happen when I was 23. I thought, am I going to die when I'm 23? I have to just chime in here because I think that's so bizarre. It's so bizarre that when Z and I met many years after we were 23, I had also, from a very young age, mm -hmm. I was sure I was going to die mm -hmm. at 23 years mm -hmm. old. Yeah, yeah. And we both kind of did, actually. We both kind of did. My experience was such that I realized at 23, I had a series of woo-woo crazy experiences that made me realize that spirit, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, is real, right? Mm -hmm. Totally blew me away. Changed my life. At that point in time, I said, okay, spirit, you're in charge of my life then. I'm giving, giving my life to you. Mm. Sometimes that's been a pretty challenging thing. Uh, kind of actually <laughs> often. Yeah. Uh, and so spirit is my role model. Spirit is my hero. And that said, there's a, a man named Michael Singer who wrote a book called The Untethered Soul. He also wrote a book called The Surrender Experiment. And in The Surrender Experiment, he details how in his life, he had an experience early on, also as a young adult, where he realized that spirit was real. And he said, okay, spirit, I'm giving my life to you. Whatever you say, whatever you want me to do, I will do. Mm. 
I found it really helpful. I've read this book twice. I'm sure I will read it at least more than twice again. <laughs> um, I have found it really helpful to hear about somebody else doing this. Yeah. Right? Somebody else having this experience, including the challenges that can come yes. with just saying, okay, spirit, my life is yours. So It's such a huge thing to do. It's so huge. Yeah. And so I love having that support. So he's he's my, my current hero, Michael Singer. Yeah. Mine... So I have to say, my heroes are all, especially the people who are going against society's norms to honor their truth. When people are listening and following to that divine inner spark, to spirit, and following, just like what Z was just talking about, against the norm, right? Like, I remember talking to somebody about this when I came out as gay, like, that was so huge for me because all of society was saying that's not who I should be. And and for me, it was later in life when I realized. So it was a big deal for me to all of a sudden for the first time say, I'm going, I'm going to stay true to who I am in the face of this level, this huge level. And so when someone does that, it's especially inspiring to me. And there's a lot of people in current society who are doing that who inspire me. When I think about like my favorite story of that, I first read about the story at the level that inspired me and made this person my personal hero in The Great Work of Your Life, written by Stephen Cope. Mm -hmm. And he's sharing all these different stories of Dharma, people listening and following and being led to their greatest truth as the expression of their life. And my favorite, actually it was his favorite too, yeah. story in there was that of Harriet Tubman. Yes. Holy moly, Harriet Tubman. <laughs> Holy Moses. Holy actually. Moses. They called right. her Moses. They yeah. called her Moses. And here's a woman who, against all permission, I mean, the woman was risking her life just walking around mm -hmm. most of the places she was in life. And yet, by listening and following, even when she didn't really want to, but she was committed to that, right? So by doing that, she set free... From she liberated thousands. Do you know the total mm -hmm. number? Well, I know because she also worked with the Union right. Army. And so we actually wrote a spoken word about this yep. that we did with Reverend Raymond. Yes. With a minister's gathering. Beautiful, beautiful sign signing. language. Yeah. yeah. So uh, 750 slaves in one, one day, day in conjunction with the U Union Army. And that's just that one day. And yeah. she did it for years. So yeah. she's my favorite. She's amazing. She's my favorite. Yeah, she's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So this is our first installment, if you will, <laughs> of once a month of these. So yeah. we look forward to talking with you more. We'll be back. Big love. Martha Creek is joining us today with this Unity Moment. Hi, it's Martha Creek, marthacreek.com to contact me. I want to explore here with you um, the Unity Five Principles. So this one looks at and explores and sheds light on Principle Two. And the five principles can be found at unity.org. The first principle is God is everywhere present. Number two is we are a divine spark of that. Three is thoughts create experiences. Four is prayer and meditation are ways to connect with this source. And five is to walk the talk, that action is needed. So I sum up the five principles by saying them like this. God is, I am, or I am that I am. I think it, I pray it. 
I live it. So looking at number two, I am a spark of that. So if humans are made in the image of God, if humans are made in Alpha and Omega, then we too, all of us, each of us, have a spark of divinity within us, the source of our very creation. So that we have inherent potential, we have inherent capabilities. Uh, our essence then is of this, we're inherently good, we're inherently made from this image. Now, this was expressed, um, this image is expressed through master teachers that we've had over the ages, the, the consciousness of Buddha, of Jesus Christ, of the saints and sages over time that shows a spectrum of this consciousness, a spectrum of potential, a spectrum of expansions that we can do, and that within each and every one of us is that potential, and that it is then our responsibility, if we have any, to say, okay, then using that potential, how am I going to be with that? How am I going to co-create a life that expresses that? So think about then... Um, what what would hold us back from that and often for me i know that i'm more focused on what others are doing and what others should be doing and could be doing instead of what is it that i'm doing and that and to awaken to that even though we're inherently good that we're made in the creation a creator if it's not god for you then the universe or whatever words you can put on it that within that consciousness, we're just a hair above an animal in our evolutionary process. So we still are in a species that's killed a hundred million of its own species. So that potential to consciously evolve takes uh, practice, mindfulness, regulation, uh, emotional understanding, uh, stopping some of these regressive animalistic patterns. So even though that we're inherently good and born in divine grace, born in um, providence, born like this, then it absolutely is part of the process and the unfolding is to then grow in consciousness, to grow and deepen our understanding and awareness of this and to make um, choices if there's free will. That's another podcast, I guess, to make if there's free will to make uh, changes and choices in consciousness to experience this deeper spiritual awareness of the presence of us, of being breathed, of living in the moment, and to apply that power as we immerse ourselves in this pure being, as we immerse ourselves in presence, aware that we're being breathed, aware that something created us, aware that we are here for purpose, that we have a purpose, that we are incarnate here to make a difference, to um, maybe you'd say bring heaven to earth, to create a new earth here, and to do so consciously evolving. So then to acknowledge this presence as of creator, to, to acknowledge the power of that as our own divine power, our own, our own um dominance of that to then direct it through divine wisdom beyond the human limitations and beyond the potential to regress, um, to bypass the tendencies and the allure to be uh, stuck in, in, in stasis of that old regressive way that actually harms, hurts, digresses, devolves instead of consciously evolving, stopping harm to ourselves and others and to be this um, a God or divinity in expression here in the human form. 
All right, Raymond, ready to jump into our interview? Yes, I am. Awesome. Well, today we get to visit with writer extraordinaire, Julie <laughs> Mirau. Did I get that right? You did. Perfect. Awesome. Julie's a pro prolific writer who loves and harnesses the power of the written word. I added that in there for you. I hope that's okay. Thank you. She's a freelance writer from Omaha, Nebraska, whose work spans more than 30 years in virtually every industry and topic imaginable. Find her at jmwordsmith.com. And I pretty much took that from the uh, your bio in Science of Mind magazine. So hopefully they'll be okay with that. I'm good with it. They'll be fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've written so much in your career about so many different things. What What kind of topics have you covered? I started out, um, I've been a writer since I was in my 20s. And I started out in the nonprofit world where I was writing for an organization that used to be called Campfire Girls. And then they dropped the girls. And so I did a lot of writing around youth services and job training and how to put our organization sort of out front on the things, the topics of the day in the 80s. For example, we were the first nonprofit who put out a statement that people with AIDS were welcome in our organization. We did that in 97. I think the Boy Scouts did it in like two years ago. So we were sort of way out in front and, and I was grateful to be a piece of that. I have written in the medical community, um, not always my favorite. I don't like to look at the icky pictures. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> I try to stay away from that as much as I possibly can. I've written in the electric utility industry, the telecom industry, oil and gas, agriculture, uh, you, you name it. I've probably had a client in it. Right now, I have a client whom I love dearly who owns a goat dairy. <laughs> Just outside of Omaha. And so I, it is so much fun to be involved in that business. In the spring, when the baby goats come, I always make sure I get to the farm so that I can, you know, feel that joy of life that only a baby goat apparently can give you. <laughs> um, so I'm, I've been very fortunate and I get to kind of pick who I want to work for. I will tell you that um, Dr. David Goldberg, who was the editor publisher of Science Mind magazine until recently, he and I have been friends for probably 30 years. I have, wherever David has worked, I have written for him. I did some work on the 2000 Olympics for him when he was at um, US West. I did some work when he worked for end of life choices around suicide and how different religions look at suicide. He's the person obviously who brought me into um, Science of Mind magazine, so I'm, I love him dearly, and I will forever be grateful for how he has supported me in my journey. That's awesome. Yeah, David's a great guy. I really, I really like him. We've developed a friendship as well. He's a good, good man with a big heart. He is. Now, I do want to see that article that you're going to write on the spirituality of goat farming, goat dairy. So I, I'm you looking. Know, I totally that. could do that. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I totally could. Maybe I'll pitch that to the magazine. <laughs> Well, obviously, we're we're kind of oriented towards the spirituality side of things, and uh, I'm I'm interested. You've 
interviewed so many great folks, uh, you know, over time, especially in that genre. Can you tell me a little bit about who you've interviewed and your experience, what your experience has been? And I'll get, to, I'll get into more detail question later. I have been very fortunate to interview some of the people that I think of as the people sort of setting a standard for what's happening in New Thought. Temple Hayes was an interview that I did that I am forever grateful for because we also became friends through that process. She's an amazing woman. I've interviewed Michael Bernard Beckwith, which I have to admit, I was a little nervous about because he's <laughs> such a big name and I didn't know him and it was all kind of, and, and he immediately put me at my ease. I've inter One of my favorite interviews that I have done, no disrespect to anyone else, Michael Gott. Do you know Michael? Yeah, I know Michael's work. He is such a kind soul. He has such a huge heart. I, I gotta admit, I kind of fell in love with him just a little bit. Don't tell anybody, but... Um, <laughs> just just between us. Just between the three of us here. He, Michael moved my heart in ways that other people maybe could have and I didn't let them. But when I have... And since I, since I interviewed him several years ago, I've seen him perform. He sits down to the keyboard and starts to sing, and I start to cry mm. every single time. So I finally asked him, why is that? I mean, I'm, I'm not like a big crier. I don't cry at everything. But we figured we must have at some point in a previous life, our souls were connected, and we've been connected since. So just hearing him express who he is touches my soul. And that's one, that's one that if I were a more generous person, I'd refund their money for paying me to write it. <laughs> Don't do that. I'm not that, that generous. I'm not <laughs> doing that. But, but Michael is an, a truly astonishing person to me. Um, one person who I was extraordinarily nervous to interview was Mark Nepo, mm -hmm. the writer, the poet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the book that we were, I have my pilot books here, so I don't forget. He had just published a book called More Together Than Alone about building community and what that means. And he had collected stories from across the world about what it means to build community. And should we look at it as a stable process or a fluid process? And, and the book itself is fascinating. His facility with the language is something I can only aspire to. So I kind of was a fan, which is not the best possible way to do an interview. But once we started to talk, he was so welcoming and so open about his process and how he thinks and what matters to him. And truly, if your listeners want to read a book that will touch your soul, read more together than alone. It yeah. is astonishing piece we'll of right. well, Let me interrupt you there. We'll be right back with more of the show and more interviews with Julie.
You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson. I wanted to mention one other person that I interviewed recently. Um, are you familiar with the work of Wayne Muller? I'm not really familiar. Raymond, are you? No. Wayne, Wayne, I should call him Dr. Muller probably, um, has been doing spiritual organizationing organizational work in communities for many, many decades. And at one point in my life, I was having a particularly difficult patch and I picked up a book of his called How Then Shall We Live? How Then Shall We Live is organized around four ways. I apologize for the dog in the background. You like dogs, dogs are welcome. Dogs no, and goats, no, no. Um, it's organized around four questions that he thinks if we ask ourselves these questions, we can change our lives. Um, so I called Wayne for an interview and we took the approach of we're just going to talk. No questions, no structure in place. Let's have a conversation. Two and a half hours later, when we were done talking, he said to me, I feel like I've gained a new friend. And I said, we've been friends since the 90s, but you just didn't know it. Because your book helped me through this amazingly dark time in my life. So to be able to be so fortunate, to be able to, to interview and talk with someone whose work has already changed my life, I cannot imagine a life that would be more blessed than that. So clearly you've interviewed a great many. I have. Is there anyone on your list of who you would like to interview or someone you would like to interview again based on where you are in your life now? Well, Raymond, uh, Raymond obviously first. He would be the first <laughs> on your list. I'm yeah. sure. uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, you know, one of the people I'm interested in interviewing on a very specific topic is Dr. Roger Teal. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Mm -hmm. Teal's work, but I heard him speak at a conference about near-death and after-death experiences, which is something I'm interested in for I don't really know what reason. Um, and I would really love to interview him on that topic. And, and he's collected up, again, he's collected up a lot of stories and he has a framework in which he talks about those. So that's somebody who I would love. I've been fortunate. I've, I've written about Dr. William Barber, who mm -hmm. is changing the face of America, even as we sit here speaking. Mm -hmm. I've written about Jane Goodall, I've written about Malala, I've written about Brene Brown. Um, some of those people I could not get interviews with. All of them I would love to have interviews with. I, I like the people who stand in their truth in an unwavering fashion. 
And those are the people that I would like to interview. I have to tell you, I have a kind of a fun piece in the most recent issue of Science of Mind magazine for Black History Month next month. I interviewed an actor named Ted Lange, who everyone in the world knows was Isaac the bartender on the love boat. On the love boat, yes. On the love boat. Don't sing him the song. <laughs> <laughs> I've known Ted for 20 years, and he is a playwright now. That's what he does primarily. He still acts, but he's primarily a playwright. He goes out and researches the stories of Black people who affected our nation's history that no one else is telling. Mm -hmm. He wrote a play about, um, he called it George Washington's Boy. And it's about a slave that George Washington had named William Lee. And, and he seeks out these stories so that they don't get lost, so that we capture them. And so I pitched this story to Science of Mind magazine, actually I expected them to say no, but they very kindly said yes. And so I had this amazing conversation with Ted around why those stories matter, why the language matters, why being true to how people interact with each other matters in a broader context and in a historic context. So that was one that was fun for me. And then I was terrified to send him a draft of the article because he's never seen anything I've written before. And I thought, oh my God, he's gonna send it back and say, what a hack. But he did not do that. <laughs> very pleased. He's a great, he's just a great guy. So, you know, you think about the people, the person Raymond, right now who I would love to interview the most is Brian Stevenson. I don't know Brian Stevenson. Brian Stevenson. Yeah, you do. I do. Runs, you do. You will in a second. <laughs> he runs an organization called the Equal Justice Initiative, and there is a movie out right now called Just Mercy. Oh, that okay. It's based on his work and on the book of the same name. So that's who Brian is. If I could, if if y'all can pull any strings for me. I would really love to interview Brian Stevenson. I think that bringing a face to our criminal justice system, shining that bright light there is critically important at this moment in our history. And it is a spiritual journey. It is a spiritual journey to look at the most dispossessed among us and, and try to understand how did they get where they are? How did they become who they are? How have we treated them? And how do we move forward in a tide that will literally let all boats rise? So that's the, if you got a pull there, man, I want an interview with that guy. Well, I'll trade you. If, uh, if you can get us Oprah, we'll, we'll trade with you. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I can get you Oprah, but I can try. <laughs> <laughs> so based upon, you know, the folks you named as you're, you're on the top of your list and the people you've already interviewed, what is it about writing these particular people's stories or sharing it? That, like, where does your inspiration come from? What inspires you? That's a good question. Um, 
regardless of what industry I've written in, I have always seen my job to be that of a storyteller. So here's an example. I was doing some work for an architectural engineering firm and they had a specific practice in wastewater management. So they asked if I would interview this guy who had come up with some new something or other. And, and you know, you're like, really? <laughs> right. <laughs> One of the most interesting people I've ever interviewed because he was so passionate about what he did and about how what he did affects the quality of all of our lives. It was a huge wake-up call to me, number one, not to prejudge someone else's job. But it was easy to tell his story because he was so passionate about it. And I say this to the people that I interview, I'm not telling my story in this. This is not my story to tell. I am a conduit that helps tell their story. And I always keep that uppermost in my mind that, and I do a ton of background homework. I read everything I can. If, if Lord knows if they've written books, I've read them all. I've read every Brene Brown book so far <laughs> and loved them all. Right, right. So when I take that approach that I want you to tell me your story, then my job is to figure out how to ask the questions that take the conversation there. Sometimes, mostly it works, sometimes it doesn't. I interviewed a guy one time, if you think back to Y2K, right? Yeah. 1999, yeah. every uh -huh. company in the world is all freaking out about Y2K. Yeah, I'm still having doing... problems from the computers then. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was doing work for a huge company, household name, and they said, go interview this guy about what's going to happen with our, if everything goes haywire. Okay. So the guy put me off and put me off and finally said, drive two hours to my office on Easter Sunday and I'll be happy to talk to you. So I did. Okay. And I got there and every question I asked him, he refused to answer. Oh my goodness. He say, I can't make that public or I'm not going to answer that. What if that's not true? So finally, I was so frustrated. I put my pen down and my notebook down and I just said here's how this is gonna go <laughs> I'm writing this story with you or without you so if you want to be a part of it I would suggest you share information with me and from that point on it went perfectly <laughs> there is some people are more difficult to get them to open up okay. or to respond to questions the key for me is to listen very carefully as the first question is answered, because then I may change my mind about what the next question needs to be. So, so a big piece of telling someone's story is just in listening to that story, listening to the cadence of how they talk, listening for what their key words are, which gives you an insight into their motivations. Mm -hmm. So I think that, um, if you're looking at how do writers approach this kind of work, I, I can't stress enough that you have to listen carefully. Amen. Interesting. Yeah. 
Um, now you uh, you interviewed me one time for when I was I doing did. New Thought Channel, and I want to say that I was very profound in everything that I said, <laughs> um, except I didn't actually say that to you. So that's how I remember that interview: is that everything was profound. <laughs> and there you go. That's what I like. That's what I wanted to hear. We that was a great out. interview. That was a nice piece. <laughs> so um, I know that you don't. We had we had corresponded a little bit beforehand, and I know that um, you're not an official New Thoughty, um, and and that's and that's very cool. I, I'm just curious what tradition you come from, and you know if you do, and you know how has how has writing these kind of spiritual pieces affected you. I'm glad you asked that question, Jim. And my story is one that I hear a lot from people I interview in New Thought. I was raised in my, my last name is a Mennonite name. I'm from a Mennonite family. I was raised in the Mennonite tradition, which means that the Bible is the literal word of God, that service to community is crucial, and that picking up arms against each other is always against God's will. So those are sort of some of the things that have grounded me in who I am. But in my late teens, I turned my back on that. It didn't work for me. I was overcome with feelings of guilt and insufficiency and like many teenagers and young adults. And I sort of stumbled into a Buddhist practice that I followed for the next 10 or 12 years that actually was very helpful to me, again, in sort of grounding me in who I wanted to be and how I might be able to get there. I have a problem with organized, I have a problem with organized religion. I have a problem with authority. These are, here's my confession to you both. <laughs> Just between us. Just between us, which is why I do better working by myself than working for an organization or a company. Um, and that the structure of the Buddhist group I belong to became too rigid for me. So I, so I have pulled from these different experiences, the things that I believe in my heart to be true for me. I try not to put that onto other people, although, you know, we all do that sometimes. But that's sort of where my tradition is from, is that finding your own center and going forward from there. What has been helpful to me with the, with the amazing people that I have been allowed to interview through Science of Mind is to understand more about not being non-judgmental, about being forgiving, which is something that I, like many people, have struggled with in my life. So it has allowed me to, to broaden my thinking on some of those things. I know that Dr. David really believes at some point that I'm going to start my own Center for Spiritual Living and off we go. And <laughs> that's not my mission, but I have learned many things, the writings of Ernest Holmes frequently touch me deeply. And sometimes I kind of scratch my head because I don't understand some of it. 
but it has encouraged me to continue to question and to continue to sort of always be scanning the horizon, if you will, for what other ships are out there that might be something I want to take a ride on for a while. So not an iconoclast by any means. I, I, I like having the diverse belief system that I, if I were to, to peg myself right now, I would say I'm a Ralph Waldo Emerson secular humanist. That's probably the closest to who I am. Cool. Cool. Were you going to say something? about some good books I've read? Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to ask you next. <laughs> yes. What good books have you read? Well, or are um, reading. Or are reading. You can probably see a little bit behind me. I have my bookshelves are stuffed. My desk is covered in books. My nightstand is covered. My kitchen table is covered in books. Um, <laughs> right now, here's my next Brian Stevenson. If you're listening, I'm reading Just Mercy right now. Okay. And I have not seen the movie. I am so taken with the stories that he's telling there that not only inform about the people that he's worked with, but his own evolution in the work that he does, particularly with people condemned to death row. So mm -hmm. that's been fascinating to me. Um, I'm going to give you a couple that maybe everybody hasn't read. I mean, if you want to read a great book, pick up anything by Wallace Stegner. Angle Over Pose is my favorite. Pick up anything by Jane Smiley or Jane Hamilton. Lots of people that I dearly love. But this book right here, it's called Buffalo for the Broken Heart, and it's by a guy named Dan O'Brien. It's a memoir. He bought a ranch in South Dakota. I live in Nebraska, so we're kind of neighbors. He bought a ranch and he converted it from a cattle ranch to a buffalo ranch. So, okay, well, that's, I'm a vegetarian for 30 years. That's not all that interesting to me. But it is really a story of an entrepreneurial journey, of a, of a reconnection to the land itself and to the people who depend on the land for their living. Beautifully written, very compelling story. Um, I, I don't know if I sent you this, Jim, but I have owned a business of one kind or another since 1993. Um, I've taught entrepreneurship at the college level and the junior college level for many years. So I'm taken by stories of people who are willing to step off of a ledge without a net. And that's what this book is. He literally, I mean, he Trust me, he had no clue what he was getting himself into. Um, and then if you want to read a book about writing, and there are many good ones, but the one that I love best is a book called Bird by Bird. It was written by Anne Lamont, who everyone knows and loves. That, uh, hello, that's a person I'd like to interview. Um, we'll get right on that. If you would, <laughs> help me out here. Do, do a sister a favor here, if you would. Um, she talks about her approach to writing is every day, what would fit in the space of a picture frame? If she were describing something in a picture frame, how would she do? So it's like breaking writing down to its most essential elements 
start small and build from the, it's, you know, we all, we all, let me rephrase that. <laughs> it's easy to think about, oh, I want to write this book and here's my big idea because you have to have one, right? Or, or you can't even get started. Right. But then how do you go from that to the absolute, sometimes tedious minutia of writing a book? Her, her book, I think, frames her approach in a way that is instructive um, without being prescriptive. So I'm, I'm a big fan of her, of that book. I'm not a big fan of all of her books, but when it comes to learning to be a better writer, I think that that's a book that people should read. Understood. How did you, go ahead, Raymond. Is there anything specific that you're working on right now? I have, I just, share. well, I have a couple that I'm working on that I can't share because they won't be out for a couple of months. Oh, um, come on. <laughs> Give us a preview. I know, darn it. <laughs> I am interested right now in, in, in perhaps tackling a project to examine stories of women's interactions in the healthcare system in the United States. Mm. Um, not at, Gail Sheedy just published a book about women in menopause and their experiences. I'm not interested in experiences on specific women's diseases. I'm interested in how women, how we culturally have been taught to interact in the healthcare system, how that affects our outcomes, and how we can do better. And uh, so I've kind of been collecting up these stories of from just a variety of women. And so I'm, I'm thinking about how would I, how, what can I do with those stories? Can I put them into a book? Would anybody publish it? Uh, you know, so, so yeah, I'm really interested in that topic right now. Nice. The other thing I'm interested in, and, and I do a lot of volunteer work in, is examining how we shift our culture away from guns. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that's important. It, and I don't, I can't get my hands around that because it's so big. So what I do here in my tiny little corner of the world is I talk to my neighbors, I talk to my friends, I talk to my family. You do not want to be my elected official because you're <laughs> going to hear from me all of the, I talk to our city council, I've met with our state senators. I'm really interested in, I mean, there's an outcome I would like to see, which is perhaps different from what other people would like to see. But what I'm interested in examining is where are the guns coming from? How do people get them? How does a 14-year-old get a gun? Right. And, and how do we shift our culture from a gun being a sign of power to a gun being a sign of weakness? So I'm really fascinated by that. And I, and, and, Maybe I'm not the right person to write that, but if somebody out there wants to write that, I hope they'll get in touch with me because I would love to collaborate on something around 
what is such a crucial issue right now in America, yes. specifically. With 1,729% on that. Thank you. Yes. Uh, it, it, if we don't address that, then the rest of the work that we're doing, I feel like, um, cannot be as effective as it should be. We yeah, have it, to address that. And if I may, I'm just, you know, sort of politicized this just a moment. When we had the very first school shooting, that conversation should have become come the norm. Absolutely. Never have been a second. And, and with every successive school shooting, exactly. we should have been having this conversation. Yes. And thank God for the survivors at Parkland who yes. have forced this into the national consciousness. Yes. Bless their hearts, they, are, they break my heart and inspire me at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're winding down here. Um, so I want to ask you a very uh, quick question, and that is, why do you write? Just in a minute or so. <laughs> in a minute or so? Uh, to be honest, it's the only thing I know how to do. It's all I've ever done. I am a writer by training, but I am also a writer by nature. If no one were paying me, I still write. I still write every single day. If you want to be a good writer, you have to write. Every day, all day long, you have to read good writing mm -hmm. and you have to listen for the stories. So, Jim, there's just there's nothing else that I can do and I'm blessed that I have the ability to do this. Well, Julie, it's been truly wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you Thank for you putting up much. with my puppy barking there for a couple <laughs> minutes. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Thank We're a puppy-friendly show. I love we are that. blessed by you both. Thank you so much. I'm blessed by you as well. And thank you for the invitation. For more information about Julie, I assume they should go to jmwordsmith.com? That would be great. Awesome. And to get more information about Raymond, go to raymondanderson.com. I've got some premium video courses from amazing instructors talking about spirituality, creativity, motivation on my website called youthrivehere.com. I hope you'll join me there. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.